0: It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your
1: songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6.
0: look back at the battle between WCW
1: Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all
0: along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler
1: and Nimza Zor.
0: You can call this... The new world order of wrestling, brother. Welcome,
1: everyone, to Reliving the War, live and exclusive on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. It is the podcast where we relive the Monday Night Wars. We go back in time and uh, take us back to the heyday of the attitude and Monday Night War era. Right now, we're coming off, I want to say, a hellacious... WCW pay-per-view, which by all intents and purposes, as I welcome my broadcast partner and tag team partner in crime, Simon Tackler, along with me. Simon, I'll tell you one thing, at least we've given um people that listen to this podcast is they enjoyed our review of Road Wild.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, thank God for Kevin Eubanks and Travis Tripp for <laughs> giving us something to talk about at Road Wild. And also, Road Wild has now set the bar so low. That when I sat down to watch this show, I knew it couldn't be as bad as that. So, you know, we're off to a good start.
1: Fun fact. So this is actually the first time I have watched Breakdown in its entirety. Wow. Because I don't think I, because we didn't get, what mum and dad didn't have Foxtel till at least 2000. So it was always either videos or go around to a friend's house where they've got like the tape. Or, you know, it was lucky enough to be on, like, you know, like, WWF Smash Volume 1 or something like that. So I've I've seen the, the main event, but there's a lot of matches here that I haven't seen in their entirety or in this quality because I've always either watched it on YouTube or something like that. So this was quite an eye-opener for me, this one. What about yourself? Okay, I believe that not only...
0: So my video store had this. I remember getting it from Video Easy because on the cover, there was a small picture on the front of the triple threat cage match and it had the Mm -hmm. text on it saying triple threat cage match and that sounded you know insane and even a triple threat match in general for the main Mm. event the fact that there were two of these three-way matches one of them was in a cage i had to rent that video i believe i bought the video when video easy in fairfield closed down i know i've got it in the cupboard behind me i'm (laughs) gonna rummage through it and i think we should post uh, a video of the box if I can find it onto the uh, social medias. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I own
1: this video. That is very cool. That is so cool. And and to anyone that's listening right now, it's, it's funny too because, you know, that's why we always get Owen to do the WCW pay views because it's just funny watching his brain try to comprehend that, wait a minute, you guys couldn't watch this live <laughs> or watch it on demand. Like wh- someone physically putting it in your video store and you having to pay $7 to watch this in the span of a week, is how you used to watch pay-per-views back in the day. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and if that, it always seemed like,
0: I don't know why, but in my head, the story was that there was only one other person who would rent wrestling videos. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And any time, you know, the new release uh, pay-per-view was gone, I would always think, oh, it's that one other guy. You know, for some reason, I thought there was just only two of us, so who knows?
1: I actually think that's a rather common story because I know for a fact for the video, uh, for the um, the movie land in Aspendale Gardens that was formerly a Civic video, I know that there is at least, well, if there is, if there's two, pe- um, there's at least three people there because I know it was one time I was browsing and I was wearing an NWO t shirt. And as I'm going up to the counter, there's another dude there and he's recognized my NWO t shirt and he said, oh, you you're probably the guy that gets all the wrestling videos. Oh, there you go. Yes. And, and I just remember going. And I'm going, yeah, man. I I guess what what gave it away. <laughs> like, and um, and it's funny too because you know it'll always be that time where like it was it was actually cool because this is also before the internet too. It's like, like 1998. Like occasionally you'd buy you'd bump into that guy at the same time and be like. Hey man, did you, what do you think of the? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. haven't seen it yet. And that was when, that's why I think there was three people at least uh, okay. guns that was watching. I
0: never, I never saw in person the other person mm. who was renting it. There was never a moment where like, oh, I've reached for the box and they yeah. have to never. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know whoever that mystery person was. If you lived in the Northern suburbs, <laughs> uh, somewhere around Fairfield or Northgate, let us know
1: uh let's get into wwf breakdown the breakdown of breakdown itself now we, we start off with the uh the bona fide signature that always brings back some great nostalgic uh feels and this video package they were very big back in the day of comparing vince mcmahon to dictators weren't
0: they? oh yeah they weren't afraid to cross that line and to make it not subtle at all they spliced in photos here of you know, Joseph Stalin and, mm. and it felt like there were some Nazis in there too, which yeah. really isn't cool, even just to make a comparison for a, you know, this fictional story. But it's a great video, and we're we're kind of in the era where they're starting to phase out the voiceovers for these videos for a while. Um, they won't do them as often as they did. You know, we don't have Todd Pettingill and mm. uh what's his name? Uh Fagan, the old dude, you know, doing yeah. the, the voiceover. We just have uh, clips from promos. And this is great though, because Vince McMahon here is uh, in peak form and we keep getting the sound bite and they keep repeating it, you know, I'm damn sick and tired, sick and tired. And they kind of remix it.
1: And it's so, it, it's really effective how they do it. And we actually, when we were putting together the intro for this podcast, I think I mentioned to you, Simon, how WCW never got on, never picked up on that, like do stuff in sound bites because it's so hard to find highlights of, aside from, um, aside from Hulk Hogan doing the oh, you're looking at the new world order of wrestling, brother. It's really hard to find an iconic sound bite from that era of WWE but uh, we'll get back into the WWF breakdown because th- how there was some real nostalgic feels for me when I saw that 90 CG of the car for breakdown driving into the tunnel <laughs> for the <laughs> CG intro. It's so cool.
0: That's next level now because, you know, at King of the Ring, we had the uh, the guillotine kind of dropping the logo and now we're getting the animated car. They're really stepping it up. They haven't caught up every month for the great big sets that they would have a couple of years later, but we're getting there. The presentation is definitely miles ahead of WCW in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. I also think that, that this is um, something by design too because, you know, an elaborate set means less seats. So I'm guessing... Yeah. They've gone through about two years of like, oh, man, we're we're struggling to get people here. Now it's just like, yep, yep, fill them in, fill them <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Now, I was really pleasantly surprised with this opening match, uh, Edge versus Owen Hart. I actually didn't mm-hmm. know that um, they had a televised match. I always heard Edge talking about, you know, oh, I love working with Brett. I love working with Thingy. But I always assumed it was on that like the house show loop or dark matches and stuff like that. But Edge enters through the crowd. And what I thought was interesting was JR lists all of Owen's credentials, and it's weird how Owen still fits into the Attitude Era. Like, he doesn't stand out like a sore thumb. He somehow evolved from, like, you know, I think it's him and Vader are the only two that seem to seamlessly, not quite seamlessly, but don't feel out of place in the Attitude Era, at least, I reckon.
0: I think there's a lot of guys who transitioned well, some who got lost in the shuffle and never really could gain any footing, like you know, your Bart guns and your... As much as they tried, we're going to get to them later, but, you know, the Godwins and DLA, I knew you were going to say Southern Fabio <laughs> Vega, we say, yeah. people like yeah. that. It just didn't work. Whereas I think Owen Hart, once they got past the initial, kind of just figuring out what he would be when the Hart Foundation were gone, I think mm. they were on to something, especially here onwards, like for the next year, this Owen Hart, and then when he teams up with... Jeff Jarrett, there's still a lot there. And uh, yeah, uh this was really cool. I remember this match. And I think Edge, for a young guy, they were really, really doing a good job with him. You know, he teamed up yeah. with Sable at Madison Square Garden for SummerSlam. He wrestles Owen Hart in Canada. You know, they're both Canadian. Uh, I believe it's the next pay-per-view. He goes into it as the IC champ uh, for a match with Jeff Jarrett. I think that's next month. But anyway, he has a great early run to establish at least, you know, pay attention to this guy. He's going to be a big deal.
1: And that's the other thing, too, because in contrast, when you look at WCW, they've still got the same cast of characters that we were watching in 1996. It's so fresh in WWF at the moment. And you're right. They make Edge seem like a big deal. Um, without going to the level that they used to when the rock made a debut like they're not going like this guy's a blue chipper he's a future Hall of famer he's doing this mm. like it's just like this guy's a young dude very talented let, let his ring work do the talking I have, I hadn't got too much notes I was just enjoying this match uh it's it's a solid match and yeah. a great bout between Owen and Edge and I I really recommend that you check it out mainly for the at the very least to see just how good Owen Hart was because when you think about it it's owen versus a rookie and it really is yeah and it makes it comes out to be a really really good match a very notable part though is christian makes his little debut he's on the outside and and he causes the distraction which means owen gets a roll up for the win it's edge's first loss on pay-per-view if i'm correct because yeah because we saw his debut with sable uh, a while back but this is it was an interesting way to bring in Christian I thought because it's interesting how they they're sowing the seeds of you know what would be peak attitude era.
0: Yeah, and they kind of mention it so early in the match JR and King say that, you know, Gangrel this new person who we've seen on the scene, we understand he has some sort of relationship with Edge, and then mm-hmm. we see Christian, you know, come out and they mention, "Oh, who's this guy? He looks so much like Edge." Just sort of doing it subtly, but all the pieces are coming together for the brood. Uh, like you said, I didn't take a lot of notes either. I was just watching this. This was good nineties wrestling. And I mean that as a compliment, everything looked great. It was very smooth and you know, they did a lot of cool moves. It wasn't too over the top. Uh, the crowd was into it. Both guys are Canadian. They knew that. Uh, it was great to see Owen Hart just have a wrestling match. And like you said, it isn't really Owen Hart versus the edge. We would know it basically is a rookie that Edge was so good even here. And I know he kind of wrestled different to what his body really is. Like, when you look at Edge mm-hmm. and you look at Owen Hart, Edge towers above him. That yeah. Edge is wrestling like the small guy here. He's doing topes and hurricane runners and all of that. And things like, that. Yeah. like, Edge yeah. really went out of his way to, you know, be an exciting young wrestler. And, yeah, kind of, I think we mentioned people like D'Lo Brown, Val X-Pac, and Edge really helped move the style of in-ring wrestling forward for the WWE in this era uh, and I do want to say Owen Hart came out wearing a uh Canadian Football League jersey for the uh <laughs> the Argonauts I had no idea what an Argonaut was I had to Google it the Argonauts <laughs> were a band of heroes in Greek mythology who yeah who were who existed before the Trojan War and I was like okay cool. It's the most it's... Canadian thing ever, to name your no. football team after some smart mythological, you know, characters. It's, it's,
1: I'm going to disagree with it. It's the second most Canadian thing because the most Canadian thing is Calgary's hockey team, the Calgary Hitmen. Oh, yeah,
0: the Hitmen. <laughs> well, then again, the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's about that's as Canadian true. as it that's gets to.
1: Yeah. I look forward to the uh, the debut in the NBF, the Ontario Routines, or something. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, we get to our next little segment, which is uh, Sable and Doc Hendricks with the superstar hotline uh, plug. The, I know we're going to, we always flop and uh, flop back and forth between WCW comparisons and WWF, but the WWF really nail these ones. They keep it short, sharp, and there's just enough to sort of make you want to call because it's obviously preying on that early 90s, late teens, um, you know sexual vibe that um that sable was pushing at the very heavily at the time yeah like oh i can talk to sable on the phone yeah
0: yeah (laughs) i do want to say here though one thing to mention and you know it's not going to matter anymore because i'm pretty sure she's gone from the company but sable is no sunny when we used to see sunny in these spots she was charismatic and funny and seemed you know actually interesting I know Sable, for whatever reason, had the star quality and she would cross over into the mainstream, but she could not touch Sonny in terms yeah. of being able to speak on camera. Yeah.
1: Or even just look like, you know, you could have replaced that and Sable look with a like cardboard cutout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Re- yeah. Replace Sable with a cardboard cutout and no one is knowing any difference, uh, yeah. except for Doc Hendricks, probably. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Too Much versus. An interesting combination of two cold Scorpio and Al Snow. Now, I didn't actually realize that they teamed up ever. It's also cool to see Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher as too much because this is a little bit before they became rather flamboyantly gay in the late 90s. Remember, they really sort of became homoerotic. Do um, they,
0: or was that before this? Because I'm trying to figure out the timeline. When do they become too cool? I know that's probably late 99.
1: Yeah, too cool is late 99. Too much is at least early, or maybe it's early 99. The only reason I say that is because in WrestleMania 2000, the video game, when it comes out, too hmm. cool is basically well established. Yeah. But in the game, there's still too much. Too much. Okay. So it's a weird little timeline. Everyone sort of chops and changes a little bit. I will say but though, no, you,
0: you, you know. mentioned you don't remember Al Snow and Scorpio teaming up. They were part of the Job Squad. This is like the proto Job Squad here.
1: There you go. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I just never like. I remember this Al Snow being massively over, and I thought this was the part of it, but because. Uh, because even Hardcore Holly and stuff from the Job Squad as well. like
0: Yeah, Hardcore Holly joins,
1: maybe the Blue Meanie. But then they meanie. all...
0: I, I don't remember the Job Squad being around for long because then yeah. Bob Holly became, becomes Hardcore not long after. Al Snow does his thing and Scorpio is released or whatever.
1: Gilbert also gets that uh, mixed up in oh, there, there as well. Uh, it, it's a... Yeah, it's an odd time for factions. At least it's better than, you know, Lost Berriquez or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs>
1: It's not really saying much there but uh, what I thought was interesting was Flash Funk done. I can compl- I th- I thought that I thought that you know I would never see Too Cold Scorpio in a re- in a WWF ring ever again but there you go he's back. I-, I thought that um you know the Funkettes and things like that have gone and but he still doesn't quite fit into the era does he?
0: He doesn't. He's one who doesn't even though you would think oh Too Cold Scorpio you know this guy who killed it in ECW and WCW, he would fit in the WWE if they just let him be Too Cold Scorpio. Well, not really, because as good yeah. as he is is in the ring, and he would continue to be into his you know older years. He's just
1: missing like the the charisma. Yeah, yeah. There's something up there, but all i got to say is for a mid card tag match, the crowd is absolutely crazy to the point where there's a mega botch by Too Cold Scorpio. Uh, where he sort of like tries to do poetry in motion off the chair, and the audience doesn't, you know, chant, you know, you effed up, you effed. it's just like, all right, we'll just move on. It's it's crazy. Oh, and the other thing that I thought was also crazy, you forget how much head was over, like the little mannequin and Al Snow's gimmick.
0: Okay, yeah, I will say, like, Al Snow hasn't been a highlight so far, but on this pay per view, this crowd in Canada, for whatever reason. Al Snow was one of the most over guys, you know, on this show. The head chants were nonstop, and they were legitimately cheering him. Uh, It was a kind of fun match. I didn't expect anything here. Even Mm wrestling-wise, Scott Taylor and Too Cold Scorpio had a few good exchanges. Like, you know, Scotty Too Hotty always underrated as a wrestler, and he did good stuff here. And, of course, Brian Christopher is good, too. Al Snow is Al Snow. He's fine. Whatever. Thank God for the head gimmick for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank God for the head gimmick and for his later run as European champion, because aside <laughs> yeah. from that, uh, there's not too many highlights there. Uh, next up, it's Michael Cole with Kane and the Undertaker. Um, Michael Cole tries to figure out what the plan is for the brother for the brothers of uh, destruction to defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin. While they're doing their promo, I'm just just dis- I'm just constantly distracted by. Undertaker's eyebrow ring
0: (laughs) yeah this was the era of the eyebrow ring Taker was (laughs) real cool here this is when he had the fake or no not long after he had the fake (laughs) teardrop now he's got the eyebrow ring he was going through some stuff Uh, also JR called them the demons of destruction not the Mm. brothers of destruction so there you go
1: Yeah, a pretty stock standard little promo there. Next up it is Mark Merrow and Jacqueline versus Draws. And I got to say this. I I wonder if you noticed this as well. But the minute that Mark Merrow's music hit, were you as shocked as I was that the amount of people getting up off their seats and running to the guardrail (laughs) to see Mark Merrow?
0: I don't know if they were there to... Out of excitement, or they just wanted to boo him, or they wanted to see Jacqueline. But yeah, okay, that's a good, good observation,
1: Mark. Murrow, more me, over than we thought, because part of me was just like, because I'm like, what? I'm like, everyone's running Probably as they know Austin, his music, yeah, yeah, everyone's running to to the guardrail, but sh- but they they know that you know. Did they think that Halloween Havoc '98 was <laughs> it's about to break something? out? I do want to say
0: Jacqueline here. They mentioned she's the WWF Women's Champion. Where is her title?
1: Yeah. Did they yeah, not conf-
0: have the belt yet?
1: That confused me as well, too, because uh, at this point in time, were they, were they just still in the process of trying to figure out what the belt was going to look like? or
0: Yeah, they couldn't get the belt back off Moolah, so they had to make <laughs> that new one that we would get, yeah. and they didn't have it yet. They were like, okay. Yeah. Two yeah, signs Eric- here during Mark Merrow's entrance that I noticed. There were some amazing signs here in Canada. During Mark Merrow's entrance, we had Suck My Big Fat Venus and Yep. <laughs> Venus 316 Inches. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> there was a really good ones, especially one that I'll get to later with the I'll, I'll actually I'll mention it now while we're talking signs during the Jeff Jarrett match that we get up to uh, where it just had double J jeff jobber <laughs> i've got that one too <laughs> that was good
0: also in this match when they fight through the crowd there's a giant sign hanging over the guardrail it's massive and all it says is big sign I thought that yeah. was good, too. Yeah, it's um, a very,
1: it's it's funny because it's like, it's a smart crowd, but not like a, tw- a two thousand smart crowd. It's just like a, let's just pop everyone for like quirks.
0: Yeah, I miss that. I swear the, the <laughs> era of signs was fun for that when people were just like, here's some dumb thing I wrote on it. Yeah.
1: I think there was another one, too, where, you know, it was the old school, like, you know, I'm blocking the guy behind me kind of thing. That's always as good. As well. Which is always a good one too. But um yeah, so Droz is the opponent here for Mark Merrow. And um The Dros. The Dros, yeah. Has the the title
0: said for some reason. And then it got me confused. Was he officially Dros or the
1: Dros? I've I, I, I must say that sort of sort of confused me as well. Like because I was trying to think, what did what was it saying in the match beforehand? It's not like it was like the Acolytes and they've left it there when they've, you know, made the nameplate or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, what I did, I, I was trying, I had a little game with myself because I was like, how long is it going to take JR to mention Droz's football career, <laughs> uh, in this match? And I've written down, it took, while he was stepping into the ropes during his entrance, first football reference.
0: That's it. What else are you going to say about Droz?
1: Um, well, this was a good one. Uh, what, what, what have I written down here? Droz sleeps with boa constrictors. He's okay. a deer hunter and uh and also gets tattoos
0: oh yeah yeah as jr said he spends a lot of time in the tattoo chair what i love (laughs) about it like it's funny to think that in um you know 1998 darren drozdov who has about six tattoos he doesn't even have a lot and they're Mm. all really small he's got like two tiny ones on his chest and maybe one of them on his shoulder maybe Two or three on his arm, and they're like, "Oh, this heavily tattooed freak!" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I've got uh, more tattoos on like one forearm uh. <laughs> than Dros does. It's so funny. <laughs> Look at this freak; he's got two piercings. You know, anyway, yeah. yeah it's a but type. you,
1: but you don't, and and but you don't shoot boa constrictors or Bambi like uh, <laughs> Kingman had mentioned. Yeah,
0: that's true. Can
1: I, can I? Can I just say, um, Mark Mirror can still go. He can still go, Marvelous Mark Mero is winning me over the more we watch.
0: I'm t- telling you, combined with his like high-flying uh, athleticism, he le- was a- legitimately a very good athlete. When he finally put it together with Marvelous Mark Merrow as a gimmick, there was absolutely something there and I'm it's, looking back at it no guy came in with a worse reputation and just never got a shot because of it but I'm I too am a fan of Marvelous Mark yeah. Mirror he's way <laughs> more entertaining than Drosia like he is oh. the the entertainment here
1: 100%. And uh, there's a bit of interference there because Jackie gets... She basically... The way JR implies it, she's taken her heel off and basically spike draws <laughs> yeah. in her head with it. Like, he got her with that spike. <laughs> that damn spike. He doesn't say Jezebel, though. I noticed that he didn't mention Jezebel once. during. He? referring okay. to No, not referring to Jacqueline. Trust me, he says it a lot later, but uh, <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Um, Mark Murrow wins with the Shooting Star Press. It's redubbed Marvelocity. Uh, and gets the win. Great name. I, I like that. Brilliant. I oh, loved it. Yeah. The wild
0: thing was cool because it suited him for, you know, the wild man. <laughs> now he's got Marvelocity and it's a great move. He hits <laughs> and I said it last time, he hits a better shooting star than Billy Kidman.
1: Yep. Yep. It's and because not even he's such close. A, because he's such a bigger dude. In fact, I believe Kidman's botched more shooting star presses than Mark Merrow would have and everyone always loves to shit on Mark Mero. Yeah.
0: Give him credit there. Also, this is the first big instance of the air horn, which we would hear so much of because the dude honked it right as Mark Merrow was rotating. (laughs) And (laughs) credit to Mark Merrow for not being thrown off by that.
1: Yeah. Uh, This was an inoffensive short match, which continues to be the theme. Like, all these matches, even if it's got, you know, like... And I I bet you, if you looked at the card on paper, you'd be like, oh, man, Mark Merrow versus Draws. But no, nah, it was inoffensive and actually a good match. They have a way of doing it. Whereas WCW, you know,
0: we saw Disco and Alex Wright against Public Enemy and it just dies in
1: front of you for 20 minutes. Yeah. Or even the faces of fear. That yeah. was, I, I, considering <laughs> the fact that, you know, you've got a built in story with yeah. it. I love that, I love that Road Wild is scarred us so much. We've moved on to the next episode, yet still can't get over how <laughs> it's crap the that was.
0: <laughs> the measuring stick of crap.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, just a quick side note there's an ad for the DX downwear, down here t shirt, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Before we then move on to Vader versus Bradshaw in a no holes bard match, uh, Michael Cole is backstage with Bradshaw. He's doing a little promo, and JR apologizes for the tough words from the large Texan.
0: Hey, <laughs> I, gr- I love this promo. This was good because this was. You know, because he'd quickly transition into an acolyte and, you know, we wouldn't really get to see the fun JBL for a while, or sorry, Bradshaw, when he joined the the fun version of the APA. But where he says, yeah, you know, Vader's going to find out it's not survival of the, it's survival of the fittest, not survival of the fattest, and just <laughs> storms off. And he's got short hair, no facial hair. He looks good. Like, this is JBL, you know, before that was a thing. Um, it's funny, it's it funny you good. mention it
1: because my my note here is Bradshaw looks like a default creator wrestler.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> black hair, black trunks. He's got <laughs> nothing going <laughs> on. But, like, you know, there was something there. You can see why they stuck with him for so long. Yeah. Like, surely yeah. it was going to finally click for this guy. And it did. Um, great sign in the crowd here during Bradshaw's entrance, though. The classic format of, you know, someone fears someone it mm-hmm. was gangrel fears garlic again it's not that's, like a smarky sign it's just funny
1: <laughs> yeah but it's one of those ones where you tell your friends it's only like now when you've seen the odd aew sad where to be like you know like shenmue 3 was a waste of resources or <laughs> yeah. or there was another good one too that uh that always like why did why did hbk have his pants so high at SummerSlam 93 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> things like that but um Did you I actually was taken aback a bit because um Brad because JR kept referring to Bradshaw's clothesline as the clothesline from hell. I always thought he got that name from the acolytes.
0: So did I. I didn't realize that was a pre-acolytes thing. Maybe that was Mm. a JR thing. You know, sometimes JR Mm. will just come up with stuff until it sticks. And he gave him the clothesline from hell. To fair play to Bradshaw, he throws a damn good clothesline.
1: Oh mate, there it is. It's crazy. And there's this is just a stiff match. There's a bit there, too, where I believe, it, well, at least it looked like it. If, if, if it wasn't, it's a hell of a working punch. But Bradshaw absolutely pounds the ring post <laughs> twice. Like, yeah. he goes for the punch. It's like, holy hell. But And the other thing was, it like I said, it's a stiff match, and Bradshaw even kicks out of the Vader bomb as well. They went a
0: long way here to try and make Bradshaw a big deal. Like, him and Vader, they called this Anything Goes. They don't really use a lot of weapons or do too much. But it at least helps it be more violent. You know, they brawl mm-hmm. around the ring and beat the hell out of each other. I think Bradshaw looked really good here.
1: Hell yeah. And the fact that there's he also gets like it's a net it's a neck breaker that gets the win there, but it's after multiple clothesline from hell. So they even sort of make it seem like Vader is a big measuring stick to try and chop down here.
0: Yeah. I think it was good and uh, you know, I'm sure this was Bradshaw trying to, you know, do his Stan Hansen in Japan impression and beat yeah. the crap out of Vader. I thought it was cool. I don't remember Bradshaw using a neckbreaker as a finisher, but
1: uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I reckon maybe that-, that was the intention. And the clothesline from Hell was always meant to be a transition move.
0: Also, he but- hit a straight up like if this was WWE SmackDown and you picked it as a finisher, it would be called neckbreaker one. It was just yes. a neckbreaker, but yes. Jr. was like, "Oh, Bradshaw with that modified neckbreaker." There was nothing modified. There was nothing
1: modified that. there. Yeah, yeah. When, when, yeah, going back to what I said about him being a default creator wrestler, that's your proof. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. Signature move: clothesline one. Finishing move: <laughs> neckbreaker neck one.
1: <laughs> um. Next up, we go to a little dot com segment. It's Kevin Kelly with Jason Sensation. Uh, And he's doing impressions of WWF superstars. And all I've written down here is they are okay. (laughs) You know what?
0: Jason Sensation, most well known for his, you know, Owen Hart impression in the infamous DX parody of The Nation of Domination. And that was on all like the best of Raw 98, best of WWE, you know, all this amazing segment. And his Owen Hart impression was really, really good top then, notch then when you see them, they're like oh jason uh or, yeah what's the undertaker think about this match some of them are like just passable if you didn't know who he was doing you wouldn't know <laughs> the only one that was good here was his undertaker
1: that's exactly what i've written down here the rest gone, though did not
0: live up to the nostalgia i was like oh this is gonna be funny no
1: he might as well have gone well i am the rock well Actually, that's basically what he did. Like, you know, as Road Dog Double J, like everything was just so poor. But I guess, you know, we were easily amused back then. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what it was? Going back to, like, you know, the disappointment of watching this, and it's a bit harsh to say it with disappointment, but it's kind of like, you know, how like, if you're being told, like, oh, mate, my friend does the best Undertaker impression, you got to see this. And it's hyped up so much that when you finally get news, it's kind of like, oh, rest in peace. And you're like, <laughs> And because it's so built up, and you don't want to be insulting, you're just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, good, good (laughs) taker." That's what this was. They wheeled him
0: out on worldwide pay per view, and they thought you know he was going to run through multiple impressions. They were, they were okay.
1: You know, at the very least, Bruce Pritchard or Vince is in the back, like just slapping his (laughs) knees on the floor. (laughs) Do you hear that, Jr? So next up, we've got D'Lo Brown, who now resides from Chicago because he's no longer the European champion, versus Gangrel. And my first note is D'Lo Brown has excessive head swagger on his entrance.
0: D'Lo Brown is just loving it, and the crowd's loving it too. They're starting to pick up on, you know, the head shaking and everything (laughs) he does now. He says you better recognize between the entrance and the match at least 80 times. Like, he's just... (laughs) saying that a
1: lot well the favourite thing about this so then Gangrel makes his entrance and JR in this era is just so great because I love how he refers to um, Gangrel as a gothic lifestyle of some sort
0: yeah yeah Gangrel is allegedly living a gothic lifestyle of some sort I love how vague that all is not sure what kind of gothic lifestyle like clearly he's, he's a vampire <laughs> he's
1: a vampire Jay. I, just, you, you,
0: I, I feel like he
1: couldn't bring himself to <laughs> yeah, say it he didn't want
0: to so <laughs> <laughs> be saying that one thing i want to mention too about tiptoeing around it did you notice they never really call it blood they say viscous liquid and yeah that red substance and i remember a few years ago do you remember when i think it was um Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt were feuding, I think they did some sort of bloodbath. And everyone ripped into Michael Cole for not calling it blood and for yeah. calling it a viscous liquid. And everyone's like, ugh, it's some Michael Cole WWE stuff. Well, no, I think we all misremembered. I know they called it a bloodbath when they would do, you know, the lights out, but I yep. think they really, as we're seeing here, tiptoed around ever calling it blood yep. that Gangrel was yep. um, drinking.
1: Or, it was, or or I think later on he refers to it as that, that blood like substance. Yeah. <laughs> or or something like that. Like
0: that like, modified blood like blood-like substance.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just so you're right, they very much do tiptoe around it. I think the only people that did out and out came out and said blood is WCW when they did New Blood Rising. Well yeah, um, that's you know. I, and and when they they used to those blood baths. In fact, I can't wait to get up to this part, and we will in about two years' time, where Kevin Nash st- uh, like, stands in the wrong spot for the bloodbath <laughs> and it just basically falls down next to him. Um, a-, a couple of things that I loved about this match. Uh, the chest protector has been there since June, mm. and they-, they constantly remember it. And King's constantly saying how people in Europe are distraught over D'Lo Brown losing the <laughs> European title.
0: Yeah, and I love it. And then he says that Delo's wearing the protector because now he has an abdominal injury, not a chest injury. Because <laughs> yeah. JR's like, why is he still wearing it? And King's like, oh, well, his abs are injured now. It's very good. Um, Delo Brown is so over in Canada, though. They love mm-hmm. him. I know Gangrel's new and he added some fans too, but Delo Brown is just killing it here.
1: He's absolutely like he's welling out the over guy in uh, this match here. Did you happen to notice that shot at WCW as well, with they and the shot at WCW and Canada because they they talk about how backwards Canada is, and it's like I saw someone with a Hulkamania sign. Yeah,
0: and I saw that sign too. And ja- yeah. and King is sounded like he was legitimately laughing when he was yeah. delivering the line, saying they're <laughs> behind the times. He's like that person must be a grandfather. And then Jr. asks if they were playing air guitar as well. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like,
1: very weird. It's like it's like they genuinely have some lols there between themselves. Yeah. But um, it, it, like you said, it's a it's an I don't really have too much uh, too many notes throughout this entire payview because you you're enjoying the matches. There's nothing off note that really stands out. It's just good clean wrestling. Um, Mark Henry comes out and he drives Gangrel into a ring post. Um, Lowdown gets the win. And then Mark Henry congratulates him at the end. I also didn't realize, did you pick up that um, they mentioned that Mark Henry asked China out or something or was convinced that? uh, I just didn't realize that the seeds of Mark Henry and China's quote unquote, you know, on screen relationship started this early.
0: Well, it all kind of started in the um, build up to Triple H and The Rock, though, because Mm -hmm. they do some like, you know, pushing the line creepy stuff with the nation you know, holding down China. And then oh, it yeah. sort of builds from there that, no, actually, Mark Henry's in love with her. So they they build it very slowly. And again, The Rock's broken out. Godfather's broken out. D'Lo's broken out. We're about to see um, Mark Henry really become sexual chocolate now, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, very, very cool stuff there. Um, oh, and also post-match, yeah, Gangrel spits blood in the eyes of Mark Henry <laughs> and then takes out D'Lo. Uh, a, a solid match, I thought. And uh, that's the thing. Like, every, I think this is why we, we look back at the Attitude Era because of the pay-per-views. Like, yeah, you had some garbage on Raw now and then, but their pay-per-views were pretty top-notch. And also the pay-per-views
0: felt fresh. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, WCW. We're
1: seeing the same
0: guys wrestle the same guys in some combination. You know, Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio. Who cares at this point? You know, with no yeah. build. That's the other problem. These are matches on pay-per-view with no build and we've seen them, you know, whatever, like Saturn and Raven and Canyon, you know, it's hard to get into, whereas d versus Gangrel, we've never seen that before. So it's like, okay, yep. new characters, new match, let's see what happens. So yeah, WWE feels fresh on pay-per-view at this point.
1: Very cool. We get a little recap of Raw from uh, the, the week before. I thought it was interesting that you had Shane McMahon on commentary with Jim Cornette, which <laughs> was a, a footnote that I forgot even happened.
0: An alternate uh, universe because Shane McMahon commentated Sunday Night Heat and Jim Cornette did too. And I think, you know, in another world, that's probably your SmackDown announce team.
1: Yeah. yeah actually, you're not far from the truth there. If uh, you know Jim Cornette could probably keep his opinions to himself more, <laughs> yeah. more likely than not, um, uh, yeah, but it was just basically a, a little look back at um Kane and Undertaker decimating The Rock, Ken Shamrock, and um and Mankind. Um, we we then what if the cage comes down because we've got a triple threat cage match coming up next? It's the Blue Bar Cage, which I mm. thought was pretty interesting to note. I think the last time that makes an appearance is actually i think this is the last appearance of a blue bar cage because the bar cage is black for saint valentine's day massacre
0: yeah and i reckon that's the last time we see it on pay-per-view
1: yeah um a very cool little shamrock promo with michael cole uh rocky rock gets some huge chance in his uh interview you can tell this is the part where everyone backstage is like okay now it's working
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is it though. You know, think about the smart crowds, the typical crowds, New York and Toronto. We've seen The Rock get cheered at SummerSlam. The Rock's cheered here. That's it. He's won over those fans. He's about to win over everybody else. His promo here was fantastic. Can't even do it justice recapping it. The Rock is The Rock at this point. That's it.
1: Speaking of um, promos that you can't do justice, Mankind with Kevin Kelly in the boiler room. This is like, it is just so brilliant. And Mick really has an awesome way with words. And like I said, do yourself a favor. If you're going to watch this match, go on the network, check out everything in the lead up to it because it's so good.
0: Just the notes for Foley's promo. Again, just the things he references. He talks about always being drawn to doing stupid things or whatever. And he mentions breaking Jojo Miller's guns when he was a kid. He mentions turning down Monica Lewinsky. He Mm -hmm. says he won't sell the people's elbow. And then he does a callback to The Rock's promo where The Rock says, Bring your, you know, sugar coated testicles or whatever. Yep. <laughs> and the, and mankind ends this promo by saying, sugar coated testes. Is that a new cereal? And that ends the promo. <laughs> it is amazing. Like, this is when mankind puts it together the silliness, mm. the deranged, just everything. It's, yeah, it's so good.
1: And the thing that makes it work so well, and it's a, it's a testament to Mick Foley, and we could probably say this, um, Even behind the curtain, a little bit because we've both interviewed Mick and had interactions with Mick as a person. He gets that if you want to make something over, you got to commit to it. And he commits. Absolutely. Uh, Very cool stuff. Uh, Ken Shamrock gets uh, his entrance first into the ring. He's got World's Most Dangerous Man on his nameplate. Like no one else gets, unless you're a champion. No, I like how they put that in as if it was an accolade.
0: Like it was a title. Like if you beat him, you're the world's most
1: dangerous man. Yeah.
0: I will say though, it was really interesting. Ken Shemrock has been over since day one, since all the matches we've seen. Canada, not fans of Ken Shemrock. He gets a weak reception on the entrance and in the match. Was it all the feuding with Owen Hart in the lead up to this? But they weren't buying Ken Shemrock at all.
1: I was just about to say that because I was thinking, I'm like, man, they really haven't got over Canadian Stampede. There you
0: go. Yeah, yeah. don't like him. Big reaction for Foley, though. And then Mm -hmm. they saved the rock for the last entrance. And, geez, he blows the roof off here.
1: Big Rocky chance here as well. And another cool thing is we've we've talked about this numerous times. In fact, I believe um, you've discussed this before on uh, your old podcast, Rocky Like a Hurricane Rana um how the rocks music evolves from the nation to you know the one that we know and love you know the the most electrifying man like you can see it it keeps the same nation vibe but is a, mo- a bit more rock esque to it like
0: yeah that's all they did through the years just keep building on the old nation theme and this is a yeah slightly different version here it's so cool everything about yeah. the rocks presentation was fantastic in the time that the WWE has built the rock I know you can say, oh, well, WCW made Goldberg, but look at how many people the WWE has made in this same amount of time that we've watched
1: yep. in two years. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so many new names that are actually out there that are really knocking it out of the park. Um, I, I, I thought it was really cool how there's little uneasy alliances between The Rock and Mankind, and even how The Rock just flat-out betrays him. He's not an all-in-out baby face at the moment it's it's a it's just a you can't do this match justice just recapping it it you've got to watch it for a triple threat match that's in a cage it flows so well there's no dead periods everything kind of makes sense and it doesn't fall for the for the cliches that you normally get in a cage match or a triple threat match
0: yeah tricky match to do there isn't really a blueprint of triple threat matches really there haven't even been a lot Miles ahead of the triple threat match we saw at Roadmold with Canyon, Raven, Um, and Saturn. It's not even in the same league. The Rock is so over. The crowd boos anytime he gets beat up. We get to see, you know, these three guys have all been feuding in some way for, you know, feuding with Ken Shamrock and feuding with each other as time goes on. Cool to see them here. Their careers intersecting. This was just good. JR and King are arguing why the crowd likes The Rock. I thought that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> King's like, it's a it's all about the eyebrow and the and the people's elbow. And JR is like, no, no, it's his athleticism. They respect him as an athlete. <laughs> uh, anyway. It- they even not just that they don't like Ken Shamrock, they start chanting Shamrock sucks. And and Shamrock him. looks incensed, doesn't he? He really does look upset about it.
1: Absolutely mental that one. Uh another cool little bit too. I like how like when um there's a cool spot where the rock and mankind climb to the top of the cage and the rock grabs mankind's hair and forces him back into the ring all of these little escapes are actually quite believable like when shamrock goes to crawl out of the ring mankind crawls out with him but drags the chair back in all of this stuff like everything gets set up so well there's a great bit too um where Actually, I'll get to that in a moment, actually, because we got to talk about the massive elbow by Mankind off the top. That was just insane. Like, channeling that... Um, they always mention how he went and saw Jimmy Super, uh, Superfly snooker, mm. and that's like a little callback to that. I know it's something that they reused a lot, but it's still cool when they do it.
0: Oh, well, we saw him do it at SummerSlam 97 in the cage with Triple H. He does it here to an even bigger ovation. The crowd goes crazy when he goes up for that elbow drop. Huge moment in the match. Uh, The other big moment of the match, though, the people's elbow. Wow. I I remember as a kid, this was the first time I really thought, I like this move. It's really cool. It's because the crowd was going crazy. But he hits a double people's elbow. He gets Shamrock. He gets Foley. This is before he would do the spine buster. He would do a scoop slam as a setup. Drops it. Crowd goes mental. Like, what a fun match. This was better than I thought. I thought yep. it was gonna like my nostalgia was like I remember liking this match. It lived up to it. Very very good.
1: I I also love too that the emotion that Jr gets uh, like when so what happens is there's a an attempt for a chair shot uh, on by Ken Shamrock on Mankind. Mankind dodges it, gets the chair himself, and just wallops Ken Shamrock like absolutely swings for the fences. Mankind doesn't miss at all. Knocks him out and then goes to climb out uh, then goes to climb out of the cage by climbing up to the top. And JR's like, go out the door, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> well he's it's like-
0: an interesting match because not only could you win by escape over the cage through the door, but also pinfalls. That's a new thing in the WWF mm-hmm. to have the third option of also pinning. So while Foley's escaping and he's about to touch the floor, the rock just crawls over and pins Shamrock. And steals very, s-
1: very smart finish. The crowd goes absolutely ballistic. Mick has the that patented, you know, the confused, like, but I won kind of look. Yeah,
0: but you <laughs> Which, didn't. And you know what? The crowd doesn't care that Foley they- didn't win. They went nuts for The Rock winning. Uh, and this was for the number one contendership too. So The Rock has jumped up a level from IC title to the world mm. title pitcher now.
1: Very cool stuff too. Uh, we get a quick little Judgment Day commercial but then we go back to the commentary table, and Shamrock is absolutely losing his mind. He's he, he's losing it in the cage, post-match, just cracks it at everyone. And uh, there's a bit, too, where he rips away a flag from uh, from the fans. I believe it was a Croatian flag. A Croatian
0: flag? Yeah. yeah Shamrock, yeah. not a fan.
1: Not a big fan there. He's just, like, it's, it's just incensed by it. But uh, Now, you want to talk about getting into full-on attitude era here. The next match is Dustin Runnels and Val Venus, and we get a little recap of what happened, and there's a, a shot of the Dustin Runnels-Val Venus video that was shown on Monday night, and Jesus, it is graphic for what you can get away on on cable TV at the time. It basically insinuates, so the video is just um, Val Venus in bed, all of a sudden, popping your head up from under the covers is terry runnels who is dustin's wife and then she goes back under the covers Ooh. and then val venus back who's in the ring presenting that video called the preacher's wife <laughs> yeah it was his new movie which is so cool. i loved how he did that um he goes it says i guess that the, it must run in the family to get on your knees
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was great and he's see dustin <laughs> just drop to his knees like basically <laughs> yeah. in tears
1: <laughs> this match had no right being as good as it is <laughs> oh
0: well you know two solid in-ring guys with mm. doing good character stuff val venus on his entrance so we should explain dustin reynolds here isn't gold dust anymore yep. he is almost doing a preacher character where he's, he's making again. reference yeah he's born again but they kind of tiptoe around that And, you know, he doesn't believe Val Venus is morally right. And, you know, because we've seen him at this point, the artist formerly known as Goldust. That's all Mm -hmm. over the really over-the-top stuff with Luna Vachon. So he's clean cut and he's saying that everyone needs to repent and, you know, get their morals in order. And he keeps holding up signs and T-shirts and whatever that say he is coming back. He will return. Of course, you know... You think oh he's born again, he's talking about Jesus. But I gotta say, I thought it was pretty clever that this is all, you know, alluding to not not Jesus returning, but gold dust. So gold dust, yeah. classic gold dust, you know, gold gold dust.
1: Very cool stuff. Uh both now Terry Runnels talk about committing to the part here, but uh Val Vinders comes out with Terry and J.R. calls her at Jezebel. Uh, which is a common theme around here. And it's a weird one too, because he almost, so he kind of shames Terry. And then at the same time, shames Dustin. It's like, well, you reap what you sow, you reap what you sow. I know he's really victim
0: blaming and all he's, <laughs> he's both victim blaming and slut shaming. JR slut needs shaming shaming well. yes. <laughs> to get his morals in order. I and know. Val Venus on the mic here before he brings Terry out, he says, Oh, Dustin, something I've been saying a lot about your wife. Here she comes and out comes Terry <laughs> Ram. Again as a kid yeah. I wouldn't have understood it but now I'm like ah I see. Ah, oh,
1: there you go. Um what I did find interesting was JR cuz and JR does a great job in like providing a com- bit of soundtrack to the match because he references Dustin Runnels, Dustin Rhodes WCW years cuz he's like I've known this guy since he was a young kid and he's normally he's a very solid performer but he's just rattled because his wife is with Val Venus like um also, what was the... This is another thing. Well, the match was great. One move that really made me go, ooh, there's a bit where Val Venis gets... Um, he's got Dustin on the top rope, and he almost goes for like like a superplex kind of, but rather than suplex him into the ring, he sort of drops him on his face onto the apron to the outside. I've I never seen that move before.
0: No, I don't know what that was, if that was <laughs> uh, on the on-the-spot thing or... Yeah, it was... Yeah, Definitely different. Not a yeah. bad match, though. In-ring, it was good.
1: Yeah, very good. Money shot gets the win. Decent match. And post-match, Val and Terry continue feeling each other up. That's basically all you can say about it, really. There, there were a couple of interesting
0: things, though. There was a point where the crowd felt, I don't want to say dead, but a little confused as to who to cheer. Because yeah. I feel like Valvenus should be the good guy. But in this storyline, it almost is a little bit hard to cheer Val Venus. And I think the yeah. crowd was a bit torn. And the crowd starts cheering, take it off. I thought they were talking to Terry. They weren't because at one point they all really cheer loudly. I think it was somebody in the crowd because uh, that was, yeah. you know, a common occurrence. And mm-hmm. also there's a dodgy kick out where Val Venus doesn't kick out at two. And it's because the air horn honked when he was oh. meant to kick out, and then he didn't. And then the ref had to do the awkward thing where you know he puts his hand like a spatula under the shoulder, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, it was up! I swear, it was up." Um, there we go. It wasn't good
1: up. Thi- good thinking though, because if you ever seen, uh, if you ever seen in TNA, there's a bit where there's meant to be a ref bump between Bully Ray and I think it's Kurt Angle, but the legs completely clear the ref, so the ref just decides <laughs> to to stumble back. <laughs> It's a very funny gift but, um, yeah look. but look it was a de- like I said all these matches have been pretty decent there's been nothing bad so far yeah,
0: but it's because they're also like novelties because we've never seen them and I think that mm. helps you appreciate a match even if it's not a you know six star classic yeah. and also I will say just while we're on the valvenus match few more Val Venus signs uh Dustin has Venus Envy that's a mm-hmm. classic one suck my venus just yep. not very creative but funny and then my favorite val venus one of the night val venus is my dad which is one we'd see a lot uh, so it was good. there's
1: also also another one which was always like val uh venus 369 uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. things like that like there's always sort of stuff like that um look we talked about great matches leading up to this but unfortunately maybe this streak could end because it's jeff jarrett and southern justice versus dx minus triple h and china Uh, this is where we see the double J Jeff jobber sign. I've, I've, I've referred to this version of Jeff Jarrett as beta version. Jeff Jarrett.
0: I like this Jeff Jarrett because yeah, it is the version we would see for honestly, the length of his career. This is the the real Jeff Jarrett. Mm -hmm. He looks great. I like the don't piss me off t-shirt and the guitar. I, I look, we say so much about the Godwins. I'd rather they just didn't exist. But yep. the idea of Southern justice with Jeff Jarrett is a good idea.
1: There's Two a bit in
0: there. in suits. I think there's something there.
1: There's a bit in there where Mark Canterbury, uh, and I had to look it up because I was just like, okay, it's not Midian. So who are you? <laughs> but Mark Canterbury catches X Park and sort of just slams him because he bounces off the rope. Like he's they're actually quite. It's such a shame that they were the Godwins. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, but 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 the crowd was so into this match.
0: Oh, man. It's crazy. DX match when it's, you know, members teaming up like these multi-man ones. We saw them have a real good one with The Nation not long ago. This is only X-Pac and the Outlaws. You know, they're the main event guy, Triple H, isn't there, and it doesn't matter. The crowd loves it. Uh, X-Pac, so good in this, doing some really good selling. Also fun to see Jeff Jarrett and the Road Dog wrestle. What yeah. a change that three years can make, you know, <laughs> from country singers and the roadie to this. It's crazy.
1: What else was uh, what I found interesting? So the famous uh, the uh there's a bit beforehand where um, X-Pac gets absolutely blitzed mm. by the guitar shot. Like, you can tell that Jeff Jarrett, now in this new what will become the template for Jeff Jarrett for the rest of his career, he just really gave a huge guitar shot to x pac there, and it went to smithereens.
0: Yeah, and they did a good job of yeah. I know, like later on, someone would get hit with a guitar and then kick out. It would just be like a false finish. Back mm. here, if you were hit with a guitar, yeah, you were out. x pac sold it. They said he may be blind. He may have a yep. re-injured neck. Uh, they really tried putting over how devastating
1: the guitar was. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, Billy Gunn gets a famouser uh, for the win. Uh, what I found interesting—they didn't name hit-ropper. it. Yeah, they didn't name it the famouser.
0: Not yet, no, not yeah. yet. I thought that was interesting too because I wanted to. Um, I was, I was thinking, have they called it the famouser before? Maybe not. I think that yeah. comes later. Actually, now, even the yeah. X Factor doesn't have a name yet. At yeah. one point, I think Jr. calls it in a replay. Oh, that face! Crusher or whatever. Face yeah. Crusher
1: or something like that. A Face Buster, I think. You, yeah, yeah you refers to it as. Um, we move on to the main event. We get a fantastic video package that basically sums up what the main event is all about. We keep we keep harping on about it. WWF does it even to this day better than anyone else. W, WCW, TNA, ROH, you name it. No one does better video packages than the WWF to bring you up to speed with what's going on. In case you haven't picked up on what what's happening, Kane is prohibited from pinning Taker. Taker is prohibited from pinning Kane because they say the word "prohibited" about fifty-eight times in the span of ten seconds. And the bit that really made me pop was Austin referring to to Undertaker as "you're dead, you big dead bastard." <laughs>
0: yeah. You do that a lot. It's great. <laughs> this video package was fantastic, and some of the great scenes from Raw of Vince McMahon, yeah, saying, you know, these men are prohibited and they would repeat it from pinning each other. And then he goes up to Stone Cold, gets in his face because he knows he has the backup of the brothers behind him. And he's like, you know, Vince McMahon didn't screw Stone Cold. Stone Cold (laughs) screwed Stone Cold. So we're getting, you know, the callbacks to Montreal when it was still fresh. We even get a point where um, uh, they beat down Austin and then Vince McMahon does the Austin taunt to him. He gets yep. on the crowd and shakes <laughs> and his head <laughs> and then even does the rollback and, you know, puts up his middle fingers.
1: It's it's so, so good. good. And w- what adds to this too is there's highlights from Sunday Night Heat there as well, where Austin disguises the cameraman inside the cage and takes out uh, takes out Vince. And it's just, it's such good stuff, but we'll get to the main event. That's one of those
0: cliches that is always good. And especially with someone like Austin, it always works. Mm. And I just want to say in the recap, again, we get sound bites from Shane McMahon and Jim Cornette. Again, it's like some alternate universe. Can I just say hearing Shane O'Mac on commentary, what happened to Shane McMahon between the years 2002 and 2015 or whatever, when he returned? Because hearing him here and then remembering his promos from the second run, it Mm. might as well be a different person.
1: It does seem like that. Was
0: Shane McMahon on the return like asleep or something? Because he's so energetic (laughs) here. And then when he came back, he was always like, yeah, Vince, I don't like how you're running the company. I'll
1: wrestle hell in a cell with The Undertaker. But here he's like off his head. And and somehow any second run... When he came back, he looks old. He looks like just a couple of age, uh, a couple of years younger than Vince. <laughs> yes, <But
0: it's> really, <laughs> I don't know what kind of vortex he stepped into when he left the first <laughs> run. But my favorite bit, though, and I think you'll get this: there's a sh- soundbite of Shane saying, "Can I get a witness on that? Good night." <laughs> yes. And it just triggered Attitude, the game. I was like, "Oh my god, that's where that's, it's from."
1: <laughs> that's all I was thinking of too. Because yeah, in case you didn't know, Shane McMahon does um does the commentary in wwf attitude with king and commentaries being generous i should point out as well he does the sound bites.
0: i loved it that was my favorite as a kid i didn't know shane mcmahon was a
1: commentator along with the boom shaka like it just all that cliche stuff Or or my other favorite one from that like as my pups would say listen to this capacity (laughs) it was really good (laughs) i like it bring bring him back um so we'll get to our, we'll get to the match and Kane comes out first followed by Undertaker and in one of the best bits of this is why Stone Cold Steve Austin was such a popular dude as Undertaker's doing his slow undertaker you know dead 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 kind of <laughs> dead man walkout Austin and it's such good camera work appears out of the shadows with a chair and just completely <laughs> takes out Taker so good
0: well Austin was the smart baby face it wasn't like Oh, what a dumbass. Why would he agree to this? He knew he had no way out. So the only way out is like, well, I'll just jump in before the match with a weapon. Why wouldn't you do that? You know?
1: So good. So good uh, stuff. This uh, A couple of notes that, that I've pointed out is there's a couple of girls in the front row. In fact, a lot of people love touching Stone Cold. Mm. It, it it was just crazy there. But um, what I thought was awesome too, the stunner comes gets involved very early in the match. And Kane sells it for so long, which which makes sense because uh, now you've basically taken Kane out of the equation and it's a one-on-one match between Austin and Taker. Um, there's a little bit of dissension between Kane and Undertaker as well. It spills to the entrance a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's just such a well-put-together match.
0: I thought this was really fun. Um, the crowd is super into it, obviously. And there's some great bits of, like, trying to put in logic into this story because it is a little bit confusing. But at one point, King says that Austin has the advantage because he can pin two people. The other guys yeah. can't pin two people. What great BS heel, heel mm. look logic <laughs> that was. I thought that was great. Um, Taker hits Kane by accident at one point, and then that creates tension between them. But it's just subtle at that point. But then later on, when one of them goes for the pin, the other drags the other off because... Yes, they've agreed to beat up Austin, and yes, they can't pin each other, but they never agreed who would be the champion.
1: and that is a very key focal point of this because so Taker goes for the pin first and he gets dragged off by Kane. They remonstrate for a little, they sort of have a bit of argy bargy. Then Kane goes for a pin. And, but this is, but this is the thing. It doesn't happen in succession. They still continue the match, and yeah. then Kane goes for the pin. So it's not like a back and forth, back and forth. What's really cool is um, it's a brother versus brother fight. You sort of see that. And there's a line there that really, really popped me where JR goes, Austin's heart is bigger than the state of Texas. <laughs> That's
0: classic. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and JR actually is on fire, like full Austin cheerleader at this point. He's not even trying to say, oh, I don't know why some people like him. He even goes on to say, You know, you've got to believe in Austin. You've got to believe because he will find a way and he's just going full cheerleader. And it's good. It creates that, you know, main event feel.
1: It really does. As I said, the action spills out to the entrance and all that sort of stuff. The Stooges get involved, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Sergeant Slaughter's there as well. But um, it finally ends up back in the ring, a double choke slam. Uh, gets the gets the finish followed by a double pin. So Kane and Undertaker both pin Austin at the same time and Austin has lost the title. And JR just sounds destroyed. It's like, Austin has lost the WWF Championship.
0: Yeah, like someone who's just died. And a great uh, touch from Howard Finkel, he says, the winner of the match, a new WWF champion, and just pauses because he yeah. doesn't know who the new champion is. I will say, the last couple of minutes of the match, lose steam slightly. There's yep. a little bit of awkwardness with some weird stunner, top rope kind of thing that they were going for. Aside from that, it's good. But anyway, the crowd is really confused after the, um, the pinfall, though.
1: Yeah. They yeah, didn't because... know how to
0: take any of this.
1: And you know what? If it wasn't for Vince McMahon, I don't reckon that they- that would be a good finish.
0: Yeah, see, like, yeah. I, I thought that too. I thought it's it's very creative, and here's the thing. Unlike WCW, where nothing pays off, and you're not like, hmm, Sting lost the title. There's probably a reason for this, when there <laughs> yeah there wasn't yeah, yeah. it. The WWE, Look, I'm, we know where this is going, and it pays off amazingly. Like, the yeah. everything ties in. It all makes sense. This is just a chapter in the story. But for this night, for the pay-per-view to end the way it does, you're right. If Vince McMahon doesn't add the little, uh, you know, like stinger at the end of this pay-per-view, it's
1: very, very awkward. Yeah, so basically what happens is Vince comes out and they even play, like, I love the line from JR. It's like, why does something controversial always happen in Canada in a WWF <laughs> title match? Before that was it was really cliche,
0: cool. but yeah, it was cool. Yeah.
1: So basically Vince comes out and yells, give me the damn belt, give me the damn belt, <laughs> then takes the belt Uh, So, which then, you know, now the audience, everyone around the world knows that, oh, it's not about who wins. It's not about, for Vince, it was just getting that title off Austin. That's all it was. Well, that was was the the
0: only reason why he couldn't fire him. That Mm. was always where, like, Vince McMahon wanted to look professional and not fire his world champion. You know, he just didn't want him to be champ. Now, you know, Austin doesn't have that over his head anymore. It was really good. Very, very good.
1: It's still cool because, like, so um, Austin chases Vince back to the uh, back to the limo, and that's the famous one of <laughs> Vince it. holding the the smoking cell championship, giving the middle finger, and said, "You don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have it." But And not just doing the finger, doing
0: the weird McMahon finger where you put the middle one up, but you keep all the other ones kind of arched around it. I I started doing it like that. It just looks cool. It's just so cool. Like, yeah, if you've only seen that shot in GIF form, you got to watch it with the audio because, yeah, (laughs) you don't have it anymore, Austin. It's mine. He's just, now we're seeing the cartoon Mr. McMahon, and it's amazing.
1: He's very much... And the best part, too, is like, Austin is just sort of standing there like, you know, oh, you son of a bitch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just in his tights, hand on his hips, like, oh, you got me, you son of a bitch.
1: And it's another reason why the difference works between... Because never once, never once in the entire history of WCW and the run that we've been covering, did you ever see the NWO like, oh, well, they got us. No. Never. It, it never happens. So the fact that Austin's actually sitting there just like, going, oh, you know what... Some bitch uh, went and outsmarted <laughs> me there. Yeah. So top to bottom, this is th- when you try to think because I know we do this a lot with the WCW ones. But can you think of a bad match on here where you were just like, oh, geez, this is this is tough to watch." Because while I reckon I reckon probably the the Southern Justice match was the worst, it wasn't really the worst. Yeah, look, it was still
0: entertaining. You had DX who were really over and fun, and you know there was a hot tag and blah blah blah. Nothing was bad enough to say, oh, I would not watch this and, you know, I wouldn't recommend any of it. But none of it was, like, something you're going to put on a best-of compilation aside from the triple threat cage match. But, again, WWE did a great job in this era of putting fresh matches on pay-per-view, new characters, people would change gimmick. It didn't feel like you were watching the same thing from two years ago. So. I would say you could easily sit through this pay per view if you've never seen it and enjoy most of it. I would say all of it. Every match had some weird thing happen.
1: What was weird in this era of WWF pay per view? It was just like, just put out a good show, put out a good show, put out a good show. Nothing really memorable until you got to the big four kind of things where, you know, you definitely re watch and re watch. Like, I I feel like they've got to the point where, because we've. Because in 96, you'd have, like, an absolute banger, and then there'd be some kind of sleeper sort of shows because it'd just be a two-hour in your house. Hmm. Now they're just putting out consistently good shows, driving the story forward, and that's just basically it. Like, it's just... You know that if you if you watch a WWE show, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, so far, what month are we in? We're in September. September. Yep. Every WWE pay-per-view we've watched has had some highlights, something worth watching for. And also something that makes you want to watch the next show. They've done a really good job. Whereas WCW feels so hit and miss. You're like, oh, I hope the next one's good. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, hopefully it's not the worst thing ever. But in WCW, if you watch Chris Benoit wrestle Dean Malenko, for example, I could have told you that happened in 96 or 98 and there would barely be a difference. Yep. Both guys wouldn't have really moved on the card. Their character and gimmick would barely change. Whereas here, Road dog and Jeff Jarrett are completely different. People. Like, you know, this is
1: hugely different. The, look at, the, the show look feels at Billy alive. Gunn.
0: Yeah, yeah, look at look at Billy Gunn. Exactly.
1: Billy Gunn's a prime example. Sam, Mark Merrow. Like, yeah. He was entertaining as the wild man, arguably, but he's even better <laughs> now as marvellous Mark Merrow. But if we go through, as we normally do, our MVP, who would you say is the MVP of the night? Because it's tough. It's tough to figure out, isn't it?
0: It could be Austin because of how over he was or Mankind for the amazing promo and the match of the night. It could, could be, be The Rock, Rock for yeah. stealing the show. Or it could be the Toronto crowd for carrying the show in terms of keeping the energy up. They've given us you know, great reactions for d and for The Rock, and they've really Val made different. difference. Valvenus, Owen yeah. Hard and Edge, DX, the main event, and the amazing signs. You know, yeah. like Toronto, this is one of the first times I reckon we would have noticed like, oh, wow, remember when they have a show there because they're going to bring it. So Toronto killed it. And And yeah. actually what was interesting, when they mentioned Judgment Day, Judgment Day is going to be in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon, you know, one of the best crowds ever. Look at the run of pay-per-views. Madison Square Garden, Toronto, and then Chicago. These are the now legendary WWE towns,
1: you know? And we, we're slowly just building up, to because after Judgment Day, it's Survivor Series 1998, which I can't remember where it's from, but it's a monumental pay-per-view, and it just leads on to such a tear of, of, uh, of WWF pay-per-views until, unfortunately, they drop the ball in December when it gets to rock bottom.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say WrestleMania 15, the raging climax. I don't know if raging was what it was, but uh, one of the only missteps of the whole Attitude Era, to
1: me, is WrestleMania 15. Well, anyway, we'll get there. Someone someone described it really well to me. WrestleMania 15 is the way that it is because it's Russo's WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, true. WrestleMania 14 is like... Hints of Russo and obviously not, not full control. 15 was the one where it was, you know, just in It the was Russified.
1: It. it was just Russified. But WrestleMania, but he, yeah, WrestleMania 2000 he's that's gone. where. He's gone. Yeah, WrestleMania 2000, he's gone and they, they're they moving that the work rate era. And I'm gonna,
0: 17, I'm they knock say, it out of the park. WrestleMania 2000 isn't that good either. Actually, you know, what? I'm looking forward to watching it again. I want to know because in my mind, the two WrestleManias I didn't enjoy in this era or as a kid were fifteen and sixteen. They don't feel like WrestleMania.
1: WrestleMania uh, two thousand in Anaheim uh, is two, two stands tall for two reasons. The first one is, you know, setting the blueprint for the TLC match that oh, eventually absolutely. was was taken off uh, in at SummerSlam, but also for having WrestleMania access. That's the first one <laughs> they had access. We should watch
0: that WrestleMania party pay per view as an extra
1: episode. <laughs> I remember seeing
0: highlights of that. I remember in the WWF magazine when for the promotion for WrestleMania 2000 because they were treating 2000 as a milestone yeah. because of the. It's year, just
1: 16. It's just WrestleMania 16. There That's was all it is.
0: But uh. a 24-hour pay per view. I don't hmm. think we got it in Australia, but in America, you could order, and it was WrestleMania for a whole day. There was like the best of WrestleMania. The WrestleMania backstage party, you know, access footage and then the pay-per-view.
1: And no, and yeah, and then afterwards was the WrestleMania rap party. Oh, there you go. The it party. was. It was literally wall-to-wall what mania. Was... Wow. Cause that's where they treated it like a massive big deal, that one, because it was in Anaheim. It was all yeah, it's a strange one to watch back because at the time it just felt so tooth. It's only when you see stuff that look cutting edge, like, you know, with matrix fonts and green. <laughs>
0: yeah, green. <laughs> green. Green was the color of the future, and X was the letter of the future. X's and Z's, you know,
1: X's and Z's, and for some reason, credit card style fonts. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. there's something about it that's the future.
1: Yeah, but obviously, we will get that in a later sort of episodes of Real Ignore. I can't disagree, I can't. I'm gonna have to side with you here and say the Toronto crowd because I couldn't, it'd be a podium. That'd be filled with, like, because you can argue Austin, you can argue The Rock, you could even argue Val Venus, <laughs> because, like, there is just that many, like, top-notch players here that it's hard to sort of separate them from the pack. But, yeah, Judgment Day is the next WWE paper that we're going to cover. Next up, though, the next edition of Reliving the War is Fall Brawl 98, War Games, which is an interesting one, because War like Fall Brawl is traditionally War Games. We've had some pretty good fall brawls in the past, but right now, the last war games that we watched, it was the Horseman versus uh, the NWO, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, with a real screwy finish, but it was entertaining. Um, yeah. You know, and, Kurt Hennig.
1: Yeah, doing his Hilton. Prior to that, it was a fall brawl 96. It was the NWO versus, uh, with fake sting in there versus Team WCW, mm, which was also entertaining. entertaining. Yeah, but But the thing is, like like we mentioned in this episode nothing changes this the main event here the only difference with this war games match is one nwo is wearing red don't
0: we have a special guest in this war games though don't we have a newcomer to wcw here
1: as in for the episode or for the uh
0: for no for in the war games match which one's it? oh what bret hart no, am I remembering this correct? This is where we see the ultimate warrior on pay-per-view for the Oh first yes, time. of course. Yeah, yes. no, i this is not gonna be good.
1: Was it this one or because it's, it's still... oh yeah, because yeah, because October's one? when October's October. when yeah, oh we're no. in a rough
0: couple of months now. Oh, <laughs> <We are>. No. <laughs> That's why I said to you in the last episode where you were like, Oh, you know. We've seen Jay Leno, but we look forward to
1: what's coming at Fall Brawl. No, 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 no. We, don't. Yeah. no we don't. Oh, I forgot about that because, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm like. What are you talking about? Halloween Havoc is like, a... oh, wait, that's the penny drop. Yeah. Oh, geez. We're going to have some fun with that one. Mm. That one could be an interesting episode there. So uh, maybe Road Wild to the ceiling. we haven't reached the basement yet. <laughs> Look, it is it is a damn shame that WCW fell off the perch so quickly, and uh, it's a, it's even more of a shame that when they finally started to pick up some momentum in late 2000, in you know late 2000 and 2001, uh, like because Starcade 2000 is they kind of realized like okay we gotta we gotta sort of maybe invest in the future here a little bit, but by March 2001, that's it. But um, look, it was a very enjoyable paper. If you haven't seen Breakdown, it's in, in its entirety. I wouldn't go out my way to say that there was a, it was a super Peview view, but you will enjoy it if you decide to watch it. It's not essential viewing, but it's good viewing.
0: Absolutely. A bit of fun. Can't not recommend it.
1: Mm. Mm. But, uh, hey, look, we look forward to uh, Full Brawl 98. Owen oh, will join us once again. I can't wait to see his uh, opinions on that one. After a month off from WCW, he's had a bit of a treat. So we'll see what happens. Remember, if you want to catch up on all of our episodes, you can do so by going to Grey Wolf ENT on the socials and keep an eye on when a new episode drops. Plus, GreyWolfEntertainment.net has got the full list of uh, all of our episodes from nineteen ninety from King of the Ring and Bash at the Beach 1996 onwards up until now. So for Simon Tackler, I've been Nims Azor, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the Wall.